0: Hey, let's stand. We're going to read uh, the Word of God. Or you guys listen to God's Word today. Um, in uh, Genesis chapter 11 or chapter 12, um, beginning in uh, in verse 4, it says, uh, just, just hear God's Word, uh, 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 Genesis 12, 4 through um, It's 4 through 13. The Lord, or so Abraham left, Abram, excuse me, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Uh, and Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they... Set out for the land of Canaan. And there they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morath and Shechem. And at the time the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the east, the hills in the east, to Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. And now there was famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me but let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And then I just want to read Psalm 25 a portion along with that. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. So Lord, we thank you for uh, your word to us and that our hope is in you. And uh, Holy Spirit, help us to... uh, look into the life of Abraham again today and and glean amazing uh, truth from you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, hopefully there was enough um, inserts to go around that uh, perhaps uh, if you came in late, you got a blank one. And and I encourage you uh, to just take notes as, as the Lord would lead and guide and uh, we do have some pins on those back tables there, if you'd like. But last week um, we began to look at Abram's life and and uh, so many things that we draw different conclusions from. And and I wanted to come back and look at this a little bit more. Look at his life a little bit more, and first talk about the topic of calling and change. Now, I, I, can't, I can't fully repeat, uh, obviously, what I did last week. That would be kind of silly. But I encourage you to listen online to that message uh, as well. And um, you, can, you can get our, our messages online. They're on uh, podcasts. And, and so we, we, we want to encourage you to, to do that. You can download that. But last week, I really talked about what it meant to be called by God. And then how for us as Christians, that is the, the uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life, drawing our attention to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That is God's call in, in our lives. In, in Abram's life, it was simply God revealing himself to him and calling him to this life of following. And it's the beginning of a story we always want to look to these Old Testament stories with uh, an, a lens that says, wow, God, I bet you want to say something to me here, too, through this story. Uh, Romans puts it this way. It says the things that were written in the past, in Romans 15, it says the things that were written in the past were written for us so that through the endurance that comes from the Scripture, we could have hope. And so we always want to look to the Old Testament uh and, and, of course, the New Testament as well with that attitude of, oh, you have something here for me today, Lord. But we also want to recognize, hey, there's, there's history laid down there as well. And we, uh, we don't want to cheapen that or only look to those things with things like, hey, what can I glean out of this because the story's not important or something. No, we don't want to have that attitude. I tell you, the story is incredibly important. It's how God, what's revealed there is how God is calling a people to himself and that through those people he will bear witness to his glory and his purpose of salvation in the world. That's the the whole bigger picture. And so Abram is called out from the people groups of the world to be distinct so that then through him Messiah would eventually come. Through his lineage, Messiah would come. Through that people group, Messiah would come. Also, we have the law and we have the formation of the the nation Israel and all these ways that God is speaking in the world. But when we come to this story, we see Abram called by God. and, And I want us to remember that it's always way more radical than we think. There are those um, stories uh, like Timothy, for instance. In the New Testament, Paul, writing to him his letter, simply says this. He says, hey, "I, I remember that faith that's in you that first was in your grandmother and then in your mother, and now I'm persuaded lives in you. Probably the simplest story of conversion in the New Testament, that Grandma got it first, mom got it next, and therefore little Grom, Timothy, got it as well, that the gospel was handed down generationally, and that was actually a short period of time too, that it first was grasped by the grandmother, then the daughter got it, who was the mother of Timothy, and there the faith was handed down. And sometimes faith can be handed down that simple. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I did not have a radical conversion experience in my life. It was just one day I got it. I mean, my wife's story is that story. Growing up in a Christian home and one day was like, yes to Jesus. And then her parents had to say, you know, you don't have to say yes every Sunday to Jesus, right? Because she'd raise her hand and go back forward and want to be baptized every summer, you know, especially after summer camp. And so she had to get caught up in the theology that having come to Christ and believed in Him, that that was, that was a true faith. And that she didn't need to keep repeating it. Maybe you have that story. That God just subtly has been turning your attention to Him. And then, of course, other stories are are much more radical where God comes and just seems to break in in our lives. I mean, that was my testimony that the Lord through actual lung problems I had in a, a, a healing work of the spirit of God before I even believed God did this miracle that then three days later, the conviction of that just fell over me to where I accepted Christ into my life through this radical transformation and people didn't believe I was a Christian. They were thought it was impossible for me to come to Christ and they wanted to watch and check and see. But so Abram's call was much like that, where God just breaks in. I think a great example, if you've taken notes, write down Acts 26, if you're if you're looking for examples in Scripture, let, let me just give, give you three. Acts 16, Lydia. Lydia it just says simply this, that the Lord opened her heart to the message. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, of course, he sees the earthquake and, and, and it's just amazing things happen. And the, all the prison doors are open, but Paul and Silas choose to stay there singing praises. And so he realized that they're servants of God Most High. Like, this is some thing going on that, obviously, whatever you guys say. And he rushes in and falls at their feet and says, what should I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus. And so he had this radical conversion. And then I mentioned Timothy's, which is written in 2 Timothy 1.5. Is that statement there about how it first lived in the grandma and then the mom and then in Timothy. But in Acts 26, 15 through 18... We have Paul, just a real short snippet of Paul's conversion. Jesus comes to him and speaks, and he says, he's like, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And now Paul just got knocked off his horse, right? And there's this incredibly bright light. He was on his way to persecute Christians, to have them thrown in prison. He was this zealous Jew, and God knocks him off his horse. It's like, bam! Down on the ground, seeing this bright light, and the Lord says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so in our lives, conversion, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit working in us the desire to believe in Jesus and to receive Him into our lives. And through that act of repentance and faith, and I, I went into all that last week, but I just want to remind us that that's what conversion is is turning and, and following Him. But listen to this, that God would use us as well to turn people from darkness to light so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And, and in that text, that word sanctified means set apart as holy unto me. Like, it's taken from these common things and placed here. From being the peoples of the world to now being a child of the living God. Think about that. As far as Christmas gifts go, I don't know about you. Like, I I don't know what to get people. You know, unless people give me a detailed list of what they need. I'm not the best gift getter. But if the world could receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Again, let me translate that. A place in my family as my child, God would say. I mean, what what more could we want for them? Right. To see them come from darkness into light through accepting him. And so just as in Abraham's life, there was this calling and this radical change, no matter what, even if it's subtle things that happen in our life for us to come to receive Christ, the change is still radical. May we see it that way, that God is calling us to something else. God's calling us that our life's purpose would be about helping other people's eyes be opened. That God would, in a, in maybe obviously a smaller way than He did with Paul, appear to you, to appoint you as His servant and witness, so that God through you could just make Himself known. And so think about your own conversion. I mean, we read over Abram's call, and we just go, okay, next, and and it is kind of like a, um. Like if you were watching football today, and you know all the cameras were behind the ball. Like in other words, they kept filming whoever had the ball last. I mean that'd be so confusing, it'd be frustrating, right? So they're still filming the center after the the, the snap, and and then and then the but the ball we know goes to the quarterback, who then either hands it off or passes it. And then the camera goes to him, and he's standing there without the ball. And then, you know, finally you catch up to what happens down the field after there's this pile-up, and the ball comes out from, you know, the referee blows the horn. And you're like, who is the camera crew on this thing? They don't even get it. Like, I don't know what happened. I just saw all these pictures, and then the referee blew the whistle, and there was a ball on the grass. I mean... Most of us would probably only watch that so long, and we'd just be like, what the heck? That's crazy. So, what happens, right, is that they film where the ball's going, or usually, and there's a ton of cameras that work that out for us. And if you're not into football, I, you know what? I haven't watched a game this year, so don't think I'm, I'm totally into it. But I think most of us can get that. Maybe soccer might be your thing. Um, Are you glad that when you watch soccer on TV, even when you watch golf, they try to follow the ball, right? That was funny. The camera goes up and you're like, I don't see anything. And then you see some white thing bounce on the grass, right? But it follows the ball. And so this call of Abram is like that. The camera through the author is beginning to follow God's plan of salvation being revealed into the world. And so it's starting with Abram's call. I'm going to set you apart from me because I'm going to do amazing things to bless the peoples of the world through you. And so we want, us, uh, we want to recognize that that was an, an incredibly amazing thing. And the reason why I bring it up is to just remind you to spend some time contemplating how amazing it is that God would break into your life and reveal Jesus to you So that you could respond to his grace and follow him, and that he too, through you, could use your life to bear witness to this amazing, amazing salvation that's offered in him. Romans 3, such a classic passage, verses 23 through 26. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Paul is going to put the, he's going to follow the ball from Abram all the way to Christ and say here's the central event in all human history. It's what Jesus has done. He offered himself as the atonement for sin to be received by faith. And in the past, God was looking over all the sin because he was looking forward to this point. And now in the present age, we look back to it because God's the same one through that act is the one who is just and justifies those who have faith in him. And you want to be justified and right with God. You want to respond to his call in your life. It's to put your faith in Christ. And so we recognize that as a as a radical change. Now, perhaps for uh, uh, for Abram it was pretty exciting. You know what I mean? I'm a guy that loves adventure. Um, the day that uh, I um, and I, I know I've told this story a million times, but um, you know I was given some guy stuck a check for fifty thousand bucks in my pocket, and for the youth group, and and uh, the church met together when the news of that spread, and. And I remember one day coming to church, and, and, uh, and the pastor said, oh, well, you know, I was thanking the guy that gave it to us. And he's like, oh, well, something's different has come up, and the church might be deciding to use that different. And I remember I was getting super angry inside. I was like, those elders, they took my 50 grand for the youth group. They're going to turn it into children's buildings. And, and I was getting all frothing like that. And it's like the Lord just, thankfully, I'm so grateful for shutting my mouth one time in my life. I was just like like this thing came over me, it was like, Mark, calm down, three weeks ago you didn't have that money, it's not your money, it's God's money, all these things. Well the two of them took me outside and uh, and and I was looking at the gentleman that gave me the gift and, and 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 then I'm waiting, you know, and then the pastor speaks up, he says, Hey, we decided the elder group, if you guys are willing, we'd like to use that money to send you guys to seminary. And and I, started, I like, started crying. And so the the was like, well, there's your answer. And he got in his car and drove off. It was that quick of an event. Well, I'd come home trembling, right, to my wife to go, oh, you can't believe what happened. I don't even know how to tell this to you. But it was like, we're going. We're going to go to seminary. And then she's like, whoa, time out, you know. And, um, <laughs> so she and I were like excited, but then realized what that meant, that we were selling our house and everything. And let me just tell you, you gals probably can relate to this. The guy here was way more excited about the adventure. I oh, yeah, would we'll sell the cars, We're, you know, all this stuff. The kids in the youth group that bought my car, they, I, I told them, I said, man, I want 1000 bucks for that car, but I want your skateboard. Because I was moving to Pasadena, and I knew I needed a skateboard. So they put this clip, this uh, one of those big file clips, and they put 10 Benjamins on there and wheeled the thing across the church to me. And I threw in all my camping gear. It was like this major sale. I was getting rid of everything, and we got loaded our stuff in a car and, and took off. This was over like a five month period of time, um, but I just remember I was so excited. I went right into class, and class was going. And, and one day I came home, and I could just see it on Melody. Like, oh my gosh, this whole thing needs to catch up with her. You know, mother of three kids, and she it was an interesting struggle there for her because. You know, she's a mother in her 40s of three kids that were, you know, at the time they were three, two, and one when we first started in Fuller. And, you know, I was off to class, like, whoa, yeah, this is cool. And I take the kids to the park and, you know, I mean, I was maybe one out of ten diapers at the most. Um, and she was bearing the brunt of that, and it was a difficult thing. And so we had to, like, just reconnect, the two of us, to go, wow, how can this be an amazing thing for her as well. So we kind of had to regroup our whole thing of when I needed to be home and how I needed to take the kids off and how she needed to be able to get out and connect with other moms. And, and especially not necessarily because she was having trouble relating to that real younger mom at the time because she was like, yeah, it took, we were married 16 years before Cardiff came along. And I did. I got the grandpa jokes and all that kind of stuff. It was really kind of weird. But um, they're like, "Oh, you got the grandkids with you today?" And I'd be like, "What?" And then they'd yell louder, like I was some, it was an older gentleman. They couldn't hear, and I'd be like, "No, these are my kids. Goodness, you know, it was just really funny." But we had to catch that up with her. And, and all I'm really trying to say is, is that in God's call in your life doesn't always mean like, woohoo, adventure. That it was, we probably I think us guys read that in, in Abram's story, but he it meant he was leaving everything behind. And he was entering into difficulty. It wasn't just, hey, believe me, and just blessing after blessing is going to flow in your life. And so we when we when we follow what happens in him, we see. That change and conversion really, even if it's subtle, ends up being radical. And that's the point of me trying to share in that story. That even though it was subtle, like Melody was like, yay team, and just all good. One day at Fuller Seminary. This is like now six months later after that initial, woohoo, got 50 ger in my pocket. All of a sudden it's just like, whoa. Following God has really got me in this interesting place, and I just need to catch up. And, and so she was able to catch up, and it's a blessing. I guess my point is, is that as we look into Abram's life, remember the bigger picture is a historical picture of what God's doing. But now for us, we can peer in and go, hey, following God calls for radical commitment. Following the Lord requires leaving certain relationships, even first people now in abram's life there was it was a system of idolatry in in the life of terror, and I talked a little bit about this last week, but I was, I was running out of time. There was all these kids standing in the back, and I was like, "Oh, I better wrap this up." But I want to say that again. If you have a blank note page, write it down. If, you're, if you have the one that already has the outline, circle that. It requires leaving certain relationships. And one of them is with people. Not in arrogance. Not, I'm the believer who's better than you now and I've got it all figured out. Ooh, I hate that kind of thing. But a management of reality like, man, for right now, that relationship is not good for me in this newfound growth that I have in Christ. You know, it's interesting. I did a paper on, on Mark 3 when I was in seminary. And, and I did okay on it. Um, there's this one section in there where there's this... There's this cool drama going on between Jesus' family, like just Jesus' ministry is starting to expand, and the family's going, We need to shut that guy down. It was not going to be good for them in that Jewish culture to have a, th- their kid, like, gaining disciples behind him in this movement. They're just like, well, we've looked ahead into that picture. It doesn't look good for any of us. So they're coming to basically shut the Lord down because they don't believe in him yet. Mary's kind of troubled in her heart over all these things still. But there's this major time where there's Jesus is doing this healing. The family comes to him and, and, and they say Jesus' mothers and brothers were, arrived standing outside and they sent someone to call him in, to, to, to call him. And the, and the crowd was sitting around him, and, and they yelled this to him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? And the reason why I wrote on this is because I used to go, wow, this Lord, this is one of those stories that doesn't make you look all that good. I'm trying to find, figure out what it, it's about, so I think I'll do my paper on that. Let's um, It's because he looks at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And you imagine, like, as soon as that word got outside, the brothers were like, oh, man, when I get him, I'm going to dot his I and cross his T, right? Um And then Mary's probably like, what does that mean? You know, this kind of it was probably harsh when they heard it. But what was he saying to the people that were listening? That being in his family is about trusting in him. And let me just say that being in his family is all about trusting in him. And so sometimes it means that you've got to sever the relationships in the past that are going to pull you down. Maybe, and I trust and hope that God will bring you back to them eventually. But you don't go from the bar to Jesus and back again unless God has really done something radical in your life so that when you go back, you're a testimony for His namesake. And it was hard for me as a Christian. I remember the friends that I began to slowly lose. And what I did to try and manage it was figure out different ways that I could meet with him. It's like, hey, like, let's just go hunting because I can't I can't do those things anymore because it's a it's a it's just not where I'm at. But you and me can we can still do this together. And surfing was another one It was just like, hey, I can't I'm not going there with you tonight. But tomorrow, man, let's meet. Let's meet at eight. and Let's go surfing. And I'd pick eight instead of five because I knew they were going to be out all night. Um, but just, just, hey, write that down. It, it requires us to leave certain relationships for Abram. It was people. For us, at times, it can be people. Just please pray over that and manage it well. Because if you're doing it in the wrong way, it's just going to have a wrong effect. But you'll know. And maybe God's speaking to someone's heart right now where you're just like, you know what, I think I do need to distance myself from that situation because it's so toxic and so controlling, or the list goes on, that I'm not able to be free in the Lord and grow in Him. And if that's happening in your life, do what you've got to do to sever that thing. And then things. Abram gave up a lot of things to follow after God. He basically took his stuff and headed out. And Jesus said, hey, in this life you might have to give up house, family, field. You might have to do that, but you're going to receive that much more in this life and in the life to come by just simply being obedient to him. And then I wrote the old ways of thinking. And we see that in Abram's life as you read the story. He, He twice tells people that Sarah or Sarai, and later, as her name changes is Sarah, he twice tells people that she's his sister. He's still struggling with old ways of thinking. And that is, not really knowing how God can figure out situations in our life, he's constantly hedging his bet. And so he just kind of throws Sarah under the bus and, and says, man, for my own life's sake, you've got to tell him that you're my sister. And so there's this change that needs to come in our thinking. Romans 12 puts it this way. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, we look at Abram's story as his name. We'll we'll look at it in the weeks to come when his name changes to to Abraham. But, But I want us to remember... If we're if we're looking at the whole picture, it's, it's, it's history of how God is going to redeem the peoples of the world, to call a people group to Himself. And it starts with Abraham's calling. It's a historical event. The guy was a real guy. God's plan of salvation is being worked out in His life and into the future. You've got to get that part. And then... You can peel it back a little bit more and say, wow, well, what, what might God say to me through his life as well? And I'm telling you, one of them, a big one, is that following the Lord requires you to leave certain relationships. People, things, place even, and for sure the relationship of, of how you even relate to old ways of thinking. God wants to redeem your life with new ways of thinking that come from this book as you begin to realize it and live it out. You can't be a follower of Christ without experiencing that new way of thinking that comes in every area of your life. Looking for my note page. What's next? Following, oh, there it is. Following Him. Then requires leaving certain relationships. And then the last one, following the Lord, includes growing in trust, welcoming His discipline in our lives. You see, living in trust and by trust rather than fear, control, and manipulation. And that's basically kind of what you get in the life of Abraham. He will see this in the future that even with trying to figure out how to have the promised child, that they're, they're, they fulfill God's promise, he's going to suggest that, uh, through Sarah's going to suggest that they would have the child through Hagar instead of through her. And we'll talk about that story to come. But you see in his life this pattern of he hasn't quite got the trust thing down, so he begins to act out in his own life either out of fear or control or just trying to manipulate things. It might, be, it might be his own just human wisdom. He's like, man, if we do it this way, I think, oh, you know. And sometimes that's incredible and it works well. And then other times God just goes, you know, and says, your wisdom that you bring to play here is earthly. It's not my divine wisdom that's going to come in and do something totally different. And so Abram goes and he says that his wife is really his sister and causes all these different things. In his wisdom, he brings along Lot with him, even though God told him not to bring anybody with him. And so he brings part of the family with him. And we see in the story there's conflict with his herdsmen. There's conflict. Uh, He has to give Lot the first choice over the land. Thankfully, Lot makes a bad choice in that. I think God's providence was in that. But then Abram has to go to war to get his brother-in-law out of the situation. And so it's this interesting thing of how we need to learn along the way to just trust God greater. Because we just see like, oops, oops, oops. And the encouragement is, is that our lives don't have to be perfect. And I said that last week. Abram... Was not perfect in his obedience to God. And we can go. Wow that's good that I can at least look to an example. Of a guy who's kind of stumbling forward. Anybody get encouragement by people that stumble forward. You're like. I kind of like that guy's example. Because it's followable. But we're, we're thankful for our Lord. Whose example is perfect. We look to him in different ways. Right. Lord, we look to you as the perfect example. Because our lives are be, to be submitted to you. We look to the goofball examples so that we can have encouragement, right? Uh, that's how that works. So, so believer, your experience will cause you to grow in trust. But maybe right now you're in that position where you're like, ah, my trust is so small and therefore my problems are this big because there's this reoccurring deal in my life. That's just part of following. God's going to deal with that. And, and so the closing thought would be. God's discipline brings that growth. Hebrews 12 puts it just amazingly. Hebrews twelve seven through 11. Listen, listen to this. Because we see in Abram's life. The hardship comes. But he's got conflict when he's down in Egypt. Lying about his sister. Now we got a guy going. Just get out of here. Take your stuff and go. And then. Then because he brought Lot along, there's conflict over the land and his herdsmen. And so he's just kind of figuring this out, going like, man, my, my trust isn't perfect, therefore I have these problems. And what you find is, is that's God's way of dealing with it. So the Lord would say this, Hebrews twelve seven: Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children... Are not disciplined by their father, and please, no one answer that question with names. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, honestly, though, in in the world system, what children are not disciplined by their father, and, and we do have that in our culture, probably where we have that lack of that. But obviously, at this time, that was something that was embraced. But the Father would bring discipline, and so true children have discipline. If you're not disciplined, the passage goes on to say, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had human fathers who discipline us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best, But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so when we look to Abram's life and we see the problems that come through his imperfect obedience... We can be encouraged by that. Hey, God continued to work with that guy, but God didn't overlook it. God dealt with it one thing at a time. And the Lord does the same in our lives as he does one thing at a time to to correct us, to call us to a greater life of trust, to call us to not live out of fear, to call us to not be trying to manipulate everything. And he does it through discipline. And it doesn't seem pleasant, but listen, have hope. It will produce, just as it did in Abram's life, it will produce in you a harvest. See, if we keep our eye on Abram, we're going to see that this guy ends up becoming the father of our faith because he believed God when it just didn't make sense. And he becomes this amazing man in the faith. But it's through this process. It's through this process. Let's pray. Lord, if anything, we just welcome the process in our lives. Lord, following you is going to require radical change. Even if it happens subtly over time. It seems contradictory, Lord, but we look back and we go, Wow, you really did change me. Even though it was a process. But the Lord, we know that the end result is truly about You doing something different, new in our lives. Lord, we pray that the relationships that, oh, Lord, You're calling us to let go of, whether they're relationships to things or old ways of thinking or perhaps people even, Lord, we'd be willing to do that. and. Lord, thank you for just how you you really had to deal with Abram one thing at a time. Wow, even how he had to go to battle to free the guy that he probably shouldn't have brought with him to begin with. Wow, there's a story in that as well, God, how you redeem to the uttermost in our lives and And you're just not going to overlook stuff and leave it unchanged in us, Lord. So, Lord, help us in the meantime to just have hearts that are willing to allow you in to break and mold and shape according to your good purpose. Because, Lord, just like in this guy's life, you've got an amazing, amazing thing that you are doing now in us. You're going to continue to do until that day when we stand before you, Lord. Give us encouragement in that we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand. We'll sing our closing song together, you guys. Thanks to the Lord, our God
1: and King. His love endures forever for the peace above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. For the mighty hand and an outstretched arms. His love endures forever. Yes. Yeah. For the life that has been reborn, if love endures forever, sing praise, sing praise, Lord Jesus, sing praise, sing praise. Here we go, church. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong Forever God is with us Forever and ever, yes, forever From the rising to the setting sun His love endures forever By the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. God's children, sing praise. Sing praise. praise. Let it go, church. Forever God is there forever god is strong forever god is with us forever forever yes forever god is faithful forever god is strong forever god is with us forever forever
0: Amen, Lord, thank you that in all our journey, you're with us forever, Lord, to the end of the age. and, And at that point, Lord, we get to just be with you in your presence and be freed from even our own struggles and the need for. Discipline and transformation and change, because we'll see you fully as you are. and, And Lord, we'll be changed fully into the glorious eternal beings that you have us destined to be. And so, God, thank you for in the meantime, just walking through us, giving us the courage one day at a time to experience this this radical change and call that You're inviting us each to one day at a time. So, Lord, bless these, your servants, in that journey, this day forward and forever, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.